So, uh, hello everyone, and welcome back to Watch the Space, the podcast brought to you by the Young Horologist. I'm joined by Mr. Callum Moore. Hello. How are you, yes, sir? I am good. It's a bit grey. It's a bit rainy. Everyone's a bit bored, but all as well. All as well. How are you, Felix? How's how's good the stuff, south? Good stuff. I am. I'm wonderfully yeah, average. Thank you. Right. The south is the south is better than the north, <laughs> and apart from that, same old really. It's, it's probably warmer. Probably warmer. But what's uh, the 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 wristwatch chair? I can see on the video that this is something quite interesting. Your wristwatch check. You've got something quite interesting. On, ah, interesting yes. On. I have. I've got my Hadinki Swatch System Fifty One. Can't remember which one it is. The, the, the green one. Yes. I mean, the thing is, we, we yeah. should we should move yeah. to a point where we're doing really like Joe Rogan podcast where people can see the videos as well because, you know, we're talking about things in. But for those who can't see, this is a very nerdy piece of watch, and the fact it's nerdy because it comes directly from the horse's mouth, as it were, comes directly from the the gospel that is watches. Um, but yeah, no, exactly. it, is, it is very cool, and I. Uh, it's interesting how it wears on you because I have the white old swatch and I thought that was quite big, but it, lo- it looks it looks is it it's the same size? Yeah. It's still like a forty two or something, isn't it? Yeah, I think they're forty one or forty two, but they're also the other issue is that yeah. they're chunky. I don't know exactly. I'm actually I happen to be on the Hidinky website as we speak, so I have a look. But I think they are. I actually also I think you can still pick these up. This this the, the, these seem to be the first swatch collaboration that they've done that has that didn't sell out in five seconds flat yeah you can they're still available on the website which i find really odd maybe the car is just polarizing which is the other one you've Um, got you've got the white one which which other hoodie one have you got no so i i did have Uh, the all black one you know with the fotina and the red but i i offloaded that um yeah so this is 42 mil by 13.9 thick it's so a big old, it's a big old it's not, a, it's not an insignificant. I can't get yeah, it under a shirt say. cuff. Put it that way. But yeah, I don't know. I I I have always said, as you know, that I'd never wear a forty-two just because I don't really like the how they wear on me. But this and the Christopher Ward Trident that we had a while back, and to be fair, the Paddy Seiko that oh, I used yeah, to have that was, that was like forty-five yeah. or whatever. Um. You know, I think it just depends. But yeah, it's a cool piece of kit. What what, what about yourself? You've got a rather sexy yeah. combo that I saw on the um, Instagram. I'm smashing this a lot at the moment. Back. It's uh, it's like a grey. Um, I don't want to call it distress leather. Is it? No, it's it's sort of. I guess it probably is distress leather, but it's basically the um, it's the Seamaster on on that grey strap. The combination of which we learned from Barker Jack by one of his NATOs. That blue Seamaster on anything grey looks sexy as. So I'm enjoying that moment. The only problem yeah, is I'd, I'm not too responsible. So I'm wearing this whilst doing siphon sauce. It's getting wet and sweaty. So I'm not quite sure how good uh, how good this uh, this is for the leather. But I guess we'll we'll see. Yeah, I guess that's a, it's the funny combination, isn't it? Putting a dive watch I know, on but you see strap, the, the old Milsons and stuff. And because these this series of Seamaster is thin enough to get away with it, being like a Millsop kind of kind of look, because um, if you did that yeah. on the newer ones, especially like leather this 
this slip, it would look weird and it would just like overhang, but because they're still quite thin, I thought you can get away with them. Like, remember, like the old 16, 610 Samaritans? If you wear them on Lotus Track, it looks awesome. And it's, yeah. In, uh, yeah, they look so good. It's all about the depth of the watch in that one, but uh, but yeah, no, I do do like this, do like this, yeah, do like this. No, it's a very, it's a very cool combo. Um, you'll notice that it's just the two of us this week. Our South African correspondent is otherwise and get otherwise and sounds so mysterious. Doing sounds so suspicious. More important <laughs> stuff. Yeah, yeah, he's probably up to something dodgy though, isn't he? <laughs> um, so you're not going to be getting any banter or, well, from, from him anyway. It's the no, quick no, snarky or, comment, uh, you know, every now and again. That's that's in the in the absolute disdain for Patek and Rolex. That's what he brings to the table. We just. We just don't need it. Although he does now love Grand Seiko, so he can go on about he that. Is, which, is, which is completely founded. I think that's I think that's fair enough. Yep. He has been converted. But we are today we, we, we were debating whether to just do an episode about new watches because there have been a lot of well, there's been a decent amount of new stuff coming out recently. Breitling have done some things, Amiga yeah. have done some more things. Um, but actually what we decided to do is what we hope is quite a fun episode and it's basically just around unpopular opinions that we have in watches so things that other people like or appreciate that we just don't get or you know just just we're just going to talk about watch stuff that's a bit controversial um, so yeah we'll see how it goes It'd be interesting to see what any of you guys listening think about our opinions and whether you have your own unpopular opinions. But yeah, I don't know who wants to kick things off. I think you kick it off, Felix. I feel like you're full of anger. I feel like most posh English people are full of anger. That's that all kept. <laughs> all the years of playing cricket at school, okay. it just, it, just it, it leaves for anger. <laughs> That's it. It's, it's all that. It, it just turns into pent up anger. <laughs> this isn't a family friendly podcast, to be fair. It's fine. No, I need I need to start to remember when I post the episodes on Anchor to tick uh, explicit. <laughs> I haven't done that for any of our episodes, and I don't know what effect that's having on our listenership. I mean, I feel like anyone under the age of eighteen wouldn't be that interested in in high horology anyway. To be honest, I feel like you'd develop. I mean, you know, I was sixteen. To be fair. But would I have listened to a podcast about yeah, watches? Maybe not. Don't know. Mm. Don't know. Yeah, that's the thing. Anyway, continue. Shoot. So, my unpopular opinion, outside of one model that they make, hate's a strong word. I don't hate <laughs> them, but I really don't like or understand G-Shocks. Interesting. Interesting. I just don't get it. The, I... I, the, <clears> I I think for me, it's I I appreciate their I appreciate them as a tool and what they do and why people like them, but there are people who collect Casio, well and G-Shock specifically in the same way that people have Swatch in their collection, and I just I could never I could never see myself having an appreciation for G-Shock in the way I do for Swatch. Like I appreciate if it's your workout watch, or you know, if you're a, a I don't know, a, a, a brickie on a building site, and you just want a watch that you can beat the shit out of, and not care about. I understand, but they just don't, they don't do it for me. 
I don't know whether it's the digital thing. There's one that I like, which is the Cassioke, the all clear one that they've just released. That's the only well, one. Well, that's I like. still digital, though, I guess. <clears throat> it, so it has, it does mm. have hands. Let me, I just, uh, um, I know. But I just don't get them. Like, do you. I, the way I saw it, the way I saw it is, it's not, it's not even in the same category. It's not even in the same, you know, here's, here's the, the, the high horology world, and then here's G Shock. And I think what G Shock do brilliantly is completely unrelated to the world of of watches in which we talk. So I've got a G-Shock and it is absolutely brilliant for, as you said, if you if you did any kind of exercise, any kind of hardcore, um, you know, <clears throat> when I was in Hong Kong, I used to wear it hiking, I used to wear it, um, do you know, like out, outdoor swimming stuff and all, all those kind of activity is perfect. And I get that back in the day, those kind of activities were done by mechanical watches. I can, I can see the link there. But for me, it's just, yeah, it's a digital watch. It's not, it's not in the same conversation. I wouldn't, I wouldn't include it in the same conversation as a, as a anything else. Really. And the thing is, the difference with Swatch is they still make dedicated mechanical watches for nerds like the System Fifty One, and um, G Shock making a thing like the Bathing Ape editions and like the John Mayer editions. It's like a fashiony statement. Um, you know, you're not talking about the, you know, you're not, you're not like, like, you know, in Hedinki release, like the Grunfeld and in, uh, the MBNS, those kind of yeah. watches, they're celebrating the complexity of the movement, the finishing, all that kind of stuff. Whereas with John Mayer's G-Shot, it's like, well, that's fucking cool. Look at the color scheme. Oh, that's cool. It's not the same conversation. Um, I just wonder how many watch nerds would disagree with you, to be honest. I think it's a yeah it's interesting what you said I, I think maybe i'm put it maybe i put too much import maybe i put too much like, horological importance on mm. the g-shock i think you did like because as you said it's yeah it, it's it yeah maybe if i just looked at it for what it is maybe i'm trying to give it too much credit mm. I, I think one of the cool things about it is the re the way it was invented or the the way it differentiated itself in the 80s or 90s or something it was the what's that can withstand the largest fall from height or something so they could chuck it out of like a four-story building it's fine yeah. that is cool and you know is a tool watch that is a you know a sign of sheer resilience and, and robustness whereas yeah it's still not the same it's still not the same conversation as what as what you and i i mean my unpopular opinion is going to be something a lot more pretentious you know yeah, yeah. And I think maybe something a lot more unpopular. As you said, it would be interesting to see how many people out there either mm. agree or disagree with me. I think a lot of people will disagree because a lot of people will say the same things you've said of, well, you're, you're trying to give them too much credit. If you look at them for what they are, that's where you appreciate them. You don't appreciate them as a piece of watchmaking because they aren't. They're not even, as you said, they're not even a piece of watchmaking the same way that a swatch... For the system fish one, agreed. agreed. It's, it, yeah, it's digital watch. It's, it's designed yeah. to be robust and cool in fashionable is not designed to necessarily push the mechanical genius of the designer yeah and to be fair i've been staring at this this the, this uh see-through this transparent cassio on my screen and i do like it 
It's the only one I do like. But I wonder now whether I just haven't given them enough credit. I think I may need to revisit my disliking of... Just just focus on horology, Felix. Just focus on mechanical watches. I mean, you said the fact you work for a company called Quartz just, just says all, oh, really. That's where, your, that's where your focus is just... It's just beelining for. Yeah, that's it. That that's why that's why I've got such a deep love for. That's what it is. Watches. That's what it it's is. Just all. You've got guilty. Cement. You've got guilty feelings about your feelings for quartz quartz watches. That's what it is. I I I am not. I am impartial. I'm sorry. I am partial to a to a cheap plastic quartz uh, watch. You know the reason you sure. like the swatch thing um, is they represent points of your life, don't they? That's that's what it is. All of the ones you have have been yeah. travelling related, and I feel like that in a way yeah. is how watch collecting probably used to be before it got really blown out of fucking proportion. You know, you'd pick up something as a memento, as a, you know, something to remember it by without spending, you know, silly amounts of money. Whereas now, you know, it's all yeah. it's all just snowballing. I think that segues beautifully onto what I was going to talk about. But I remember reading um, into the history about Chrono Swiss when I was looking at getting one. In basically what how they came about in Europe was... They were seen as um, almost like it's really weird. Their business model is based on the fact that non-European tourists would come over to Europe, and if they want to get a watch, this could be the cheaper option to like Rolex and Amiga and Longines, oh, etc. Okay. You know, at the time they were sort of like the the top boys. Um, and it was basically talking about how they really put. I, I don't think it was designed for that, but I think they ended up being very popular with non-European tourists who'd come over to Europe and they'd want to get something, you know, like a European piece of watchmaking, but they didn't want to drop what in those days yeah. was, you know, probably in comparison to as expensive they are now, uh, something much cheaper. So I thought that was quite interesting. Um, and I think that's how you do the swatching. All these, all these things, you know, they're. Also, the limited edition, I guess, is also another thing, isn't it? So you, yeah. you, you're buying something yeah. limited. Um, as I said, that segues beautifully. It's my point. It does. I think mine is tricky, because I don't know if mine is particularly unpopular, because I think quite a lot of people will probably agree with me, but I... I think, I, I think it's unpopular. I think <clears throat> it's not unpopular in terms of the opinion, but... The, the subject matter that your opinion is of is is unpopular, and a lot of people will be in exactly the same yeah. mindset as you are. No, I, I agree, and I think I think people like Kibble, and guys on the other side, wouldn't agree with me, um, or maybe they would. Kibble's quite a transparent guy, but basically, all it is is I've been, um, yeah, you know, I've I've got a sort of budget at the moment, and I want to buy something to represent a sort of milestone in my life and it just feels that when I was at university and I was sort of looking at you know five five years down the line when I was going to be at this point the the sheer pool of which you could choose from is so drastically dropped and you know obviously there's a there's a there's an inflation of money that is a natural thing but it's just so beyond that to the point where I can't help but feel the market is um, is is bubbled basically. So, p 
perfect example was, uh, let's say, what, five years ago, I was looking at 1601s, 1601.3s, Explorer 2, Polar Dials, these kind of things. So the date just were like, probably for a really good one, 15, 1600 quid. And then Explorer yeah. 2's two and a half, again, for a really good one. And now you can't even consider any, like, that's not even close. I mean, 16, 1601s are what, three and a half, probably? Something, something near to that? Yeah. I, Explorer 2's, yeah. you're looking at like six grand for a decent one. Oh, God, bless you. It's ridiculous. Um, and, you. you know, that, that whole thing is just, I think the unpopular opinion I'm going to say is the continued growth of this hobby has driven, um, what's the word, it has made this whole hobby so much less accessible to the point that when yeah. I was sort of like looking at what I can get for certain amount of so let's say for less than a thousand pounds, what can you even get these days? And the pool is so small, like like for genuinely good, interesting yeah. stuff. Um, and it just, it, it should be that way. Um, it should be no. where, you know, these things should hold a value and they should be um, appreciated. So I'm not saying, you know, they, they should all just be cast aside, but just the fact when you're looking at, um, like, especially Breitling chronographs. So these old Breitling top times and stuff, just because they're yeah. popular, um, I mean, they're just popular watches because, I mean, Jerry Seinfeld made it famous and all that kind of stuff. I found absolutely battered ones, like really genuinely terrible condition. And we're still talking like two grand. And it's like, what the fuck are you buying for two grand? You're buying a value movement inside a Breitling with a square case and yeah. a panda dial. And, you know, I just feel bad for the poor sod who's going to go, oh, you know, I'll buy that. And, you know, it's absolutely battered. It's all rusted up. It's it's just a shell of a watch. And you're spending yeah. two and a half grand. It's like, where is the value for money in that, in that, yeah, in that state? Well, it's a good question. Where is value for money anymore? Because, as you said, like, uh, I'm a 24, cheaper 1601 is two, two, uh, yeah, top time. Yeah, exactly. Uh, the, the other unpopular opinion, I guess, is England is probably the most expensive place for watches, especially vintage watches, I think. The US tends to be cheaper. Yeah, it's up there. Asia is really cheap because, as Ilkar has explained yeah. to us before, they've just got a massive, massive um, supply of vintage steel sports watches. But if you, if you compare any point, yeah. so find the, near, uh, find the cheapest English 1601 on Colin 24. It's nowhere near two and a half. Have a look. We, I'm going to say near a four. United Kingdom. Here we go. Uh, cheapest one is a 16013. So that's white oh, nice. Buckley dial. Uh, which, to be fair, it looks bloody nice. 3,200. Yeah. Buckley dial. I do love a Buckley dial. I do. Enjoy a Buckley dial. Do you see Theo and Harris has got a blue yeah. Buckley dial? There's at the moment. They are. But like what is, what is, what's Christian like, selling it for? Five grand? I, it's going to be a lot. It's going to be a no lot. No idea. Yeah, it's just It's just. I feel like well, when we first got into this world, it, it was so much more accessible than it is now. And. Oh my God, yeah. You get a pole route. You get a pole round yeah, for like exactly 400 that. quid. 
What? Well, yeah, brilliant. The exact same poly as I get way over a grand for a steel one. Way over a grand. Um, what did you reckon the the price of oh, the no. the Buckley Dial was? I'm gonna I'm gonna say five grand. Okay, let me just is that is that That's dollars pounds. or pounds? pounds. That's pounds. Okay, let me just oh, do the man. conversion. I like Chrissy, I like what he's done, and I like but Jesus Christ some of the premiums. No. Okay, to be I mean you you weren't far off. Six thousand eight hundred. <sighs> Seven grand. But then it is a blue buck I wonder how much. I wonder if they were even any other it's something we can. It's something that we can ask him about in a week. Ah, nice little hint. Nice little drop in there. <laughs> um, I wonder how. Like he, they are rare. Those is that what it is? Dogs. Okay, maybe maybe I'll jump the gun in there. I mean, I don't even know whether there's a, even another one okay. on the market. Grey. I found grey, blue. Here we go. Okay, there's one here for four thousand two hundred. Is it pretty Chrono. bad? Where's it from? Like Brazil. It is from oh, this, okay. Italy. Torino. Interesting. Original, yeah, but it's the original box. See, that's papers. a pretty good. That's a pretty good offering if it's a private dealer in Italy. See, here we go. Full set, Buckley dial, eight thousand seven hundred twenty. Jesus. But that's in that's in stupid condition. Like, it's basically Christ. brand new. It's got everything. It's still got the original. It's still got the original uh, oh, sticker on the back. Original sticker on the case back. Christ, yeah, okay. Like swing tags. <laughs> yeah. It's it's it is crisp. I mean, that's going to be advertised in all stock, I guess. Isn't it? Yeah. So they've it's on the listing. It's just full set. Because I guess you, you've if you when you're getting into the territory of calling something new old stock, yeah, risky um, territory. New old stock, you've got to be, it, Perfect, it has yeah. to be, doesn't it? But yeah, I mean, that still just goes um, to show, I mean, it, it, it's basically a point now where if you want to buy anything significant, you know, if you want to buy anything limited edition, anything, you know, up there, you know, like past, you know, anything, even yeah. like an Amiga Seamaster with a dealer on the dial, anything like that, you, you've got to drop serious money and it, it didn't used to be like that. It didn't used to be the case. And it's only the last couple of years. In you know, one could argue, it's just our sheer passion is so infectious that nerds like us have driven the market value of things up. Yeah. You just wonder if it's if there's going to be a big crash, don't you? I mean, as I was saying to you before this call, and I've said to other people, I think the whole furlough situation in the UK is artificially causing inflation. And as a result, yeah, I think you know, it, you know, I, I sort of said to myself, I, oh, you know, do I, do I pull the trigger on something now? Because you know, the, the whole idea used to be, oh, you know, if you buy a vintage Rolex, you're not going to lose any money on it. People were saying the same about houses in 2007, 2008. People were saying that about houses. So it's just you wonder if yeah, exactly. getting now and then suddenly, massive fucking recession, the whole world's in turmoil, and then suddenly, you know, all these completely unnecessary you know, things, just just the, the value just dropped. And, yeah. you know, it'll return because the reality is it's like art, isn't it? It's it's a tangible asset that you can genuinely enjoy from a creative and artistic perspective. Like, there is that aspect to it, but, yeah. you know, if suddenly half yeah, the country's losing their jobs, especially in the sort of middle-class area, 
then you know I could end up dropping two and a half grand on some middle of the road Rolex Air King for in two years time it to be worth one and a half thousand pounds and then Dexter's over there laughing yeah. about when he bought his day just it two grand or whatever it was so there's all these things to consider for it. yeah exactly but then obviously it's going to be 50 quid Daytona's if that happens obviously so we'll all be imagine that well. Zenith Daytona's for, is it, is for it, two three grand it's a good <clears> point it's a good point because you do wonder whether some of the some of these watches that are inflated at the sort of the lo- the lower end of the market, you know, Pipan Constellation, for example, from Amiga. I remember when you could pick those up for five hundred quid, like full set mint yeah. on a bracelet, the yeah. whole shebang, and they're now pushing two. I think I think more than that. I've go, seen them go well, for more than that, especially coming from private dealers, um, like three grand. Yeah, you're probably right. It's so true. I'm glad you said that because I was looking at Amiga Seamaster. Just... Remember the one I sold in, let's say, what, 2019 when I was living in my house, Jack? Yeah. I sold that Seamaster for like 600 quid, I think. And that was the old bumper case with the automatic movement. So that's like a thousand pounds. Pushing, probably not quite, but eight, nine hundred quid. Yeah. God. I mean, you can't get a decent one now for less than 12. What, Constellations or. There's one here, yeah. There, I remember. So I remember looking. I think probably first or second year, at at solid gold, Pipan constellations, gold dial on a gold beads of rice bracelet, and they were seven eight hundred. Solid gold, not gold plated. For a properly solid good gold. one. Jesus Christ. Gold. Yeah, yeah. Solid gold. And now I'm looking at one here, which is in. It's it's fairly similar to the one I was looking at. Full set. Everything three thousand pounds. I did. I, yeah, I, I knew this because again I've looked at them recently. In it is not. I mean, has the price of gold gone up dramatically? I know gold tends to go up when the world's in turmoil. So maybe like the raw price of gold is that? Yeah, gone maybe. But then <clears throat> it, it's interesting. Something that you you've mentioned briefly earlier is that is it because is the way to look at it is that. The reason why prices of watches are going up is because watch collecting as a hobby is getting more popular. So dealers know they can charge more for things because they just have more people who are after them. And is that a good thing because it's getting more people in? Well, I mean, is you know the, the supply, the supply in the market. None of us can buy watches. Yeah, well, exactly. So I think one of the ways that vintage. Appreciated probably first kicked off is a aesthetically they're usually quite a lot cooler than new watches, but b vintage was always mm. a bit more accessible. So you might not be able to buy a modern Amiga Seamaster, but you could buy an, a, a vintage Amiga Seamaster. Like you know what I mean? Like so, so the Amiga Geneves, yeah, they're still pretty decent value. Three, three, four hundred, something like that. Yeah, and you're still getting a big name yeah, brand like with a well-made yeah. movement and all that. But as you say, as the market grows, the number of these watches in circulation isn't growing. Like there's a finite number of these watches. But as you say, if more people are coming in and more people are wanting to buy this kind of stuff, the price just just goes up. In you're right. Is it a trade-off? Do we do we start telling people this is a stupid yeah. hobby to get into and tell them to go back to TikTok and in in being <laughs> awful, you know, and just leave the watches to us, you know? Yeah, I definitely, definitely. I mean, you know, I'd feel like it's something 
partaken by older people. You would have thought all the old people got killed off by COVID, but apparently not. Yeah, it seems not, doesn't it? The thing that I'm hoping that don't go up. So I've I've got I've got really into um, a watch that you have in your collection. Chronostops. Oh, great watch. Recently, but the one that I really like is not the configuration that you've got. I the like the driver, mm. you know, with the dials on its side. I just think it's I think it's I just think it's cool. I mean, it's it's almost a legible day to day. It's a cool. It's, it's cool. cool. And it had a purpose, and, which makes it cool as well. Yeah. Exactly, but you can still get them for like. 1200 yeah. quid. Yeah, and they're more expensive than mine, I reckon. And I wonder whether they are going to go... I wonder whether they they might have a bit of a a, a bit of a, a rise in pricing because it seems like they seem very undervalued. There are very few on the market, and the ones that are are, I think, cheap for what you're getting. Yeah, I agree. I think the way Amiga in particular works is they go through uh, there's phases of each model. So there's a massive um, mm. Speedmaster phase. The Speedmasters go up exponentially in value. Then they sort of plateau. I feel like now we're going through the Constellation and all that kind of stuff. Like it said, three, four grand yep. for, for decent ones. That's going to keep going. And then it's just each time one model becomes inaffordable and inaccessible, they move on to the next one. I think Chronostop's just going to be the next one because... Yeah. The, the reality is the Calibre 861 movement it has inside it is the base of the original Speedmaster movement. It's the same base plate. So in terms of the actual mechanics inside yeah, exactly. it, it's a great fucking yeah. watch. And I don't think it's... I mean, Amiga make weirder watches. The Amiga Dynamic is weirder. The Amiga Constellations that had the fixed bracelet, they're yeah. weirder. So yeah, I, I don't get it. I don't get yeah. it personally, yeah, but obviously I'm biased because I've had no. one and I love one, so... Also, it's interesting. I've only just realised this. It's an interesting chronograph because it doesn't have any subdials, so it doesn't, it doesn't have a counter. It doesn't. So you can time sixty seconds, and then you're not going to be able to keep track if you time any more than. It's kind of weird. I agree, and I think the reason behind it was actually uh, like timing pit stops or something stupid. Like it's. There's something like that to do with it. So. Oh, okay. So it's only for really short, short time intervals. Yeah, because it's yeah. Oh, I just think that. It's think yeah. It's cool. it's a yeah. Yeah, yeah it is a bit gimmicky. It's a bit. Um, but again, yeah, it's, it's a part of Amiga's tool history. You know the the the, the history of which Amiga yeah. has a long running of, you know, military watches, pilot watches, and you know, deep diving watches, and obviously the Speedmaster. So. Yeah, that's that's the reason why Amiga's so popular. But um, I agree, mate. I think if you were to get one and appreciate one, a you'd enjoy it and you'd you'd get all of that. But then I think you're right. I think it might be a bit of a sleeper, and I think you might end up yeah because it's hard to find sleepers now, isn't it? This, again, people, you know, all the time people are asking me, and as 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 they are for you as well. You know, what 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 do I get? Oh, you know, I've got a bit of money. I want to get a vintage watch. And they always ask the yeah. same sodding questions like, oh, I want the whole value. What's the investment? Like, no, buy it because you fucking like it and enjoy it. Don't <laughs> buy it for an investment. Yeah, exactly. But, you know, I'm exactly. running out of things to say in terms of what you can get. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I remember I remember Air King's vintage and really Decisions difficult. being like a thousand pounds, just over a thousand pounds. 
they were designed originally yeah. in the 50s to be the inexpensive day just and they're a bit smaller therefore they have all the hallmarks of a sleeper watch two two and a half grand i don't think you get a noise position for less than oh that. yeah comfortably Vintage Tudor, that's now out of the question. You used to be able to pick yeah. up old Tudors for next to nothing, and they're now... I had an old Tudor Royale, an Oyster Royale, so basically the Oyster Precision of Tudor. Six, yeah. 600 quid. Yeah, yeah. And now, yeah, over a grand. So you just wonder if that's if that's going to plateau at some point when people realise their non-chronometer steel sports watches are all pretty unspecial. Yeah. I think, I mean, vintage Longines, that's, I mean, it's not a sleeper, but it's, they still represent value. You can still get those for. Yeah, you know, for it's very, for some very, really very nice true. Ones. Those flagship Calatravas, but, 500 quid for a very, very good one. Oh, yeah. And that is, yeah. in a period, and you can ask, you can ask my friend Rahan on this one, because he'll be very uh, passionate in this one. That was in the peak of long regime watchmaking, that sort of 50s, 60s, 70s, where they were considered on par with Hoyer, Amiga, Rolex. But you're right, there hasn't been, because of, I think probably, you know what, yeah, because their status now as a modern brand is nowhere near the same as like Amiga and Rolex, the vintage value has been affected by that, I think. Yeah, definitely. definitely. Long regime, very good point. Because remember Buddy Goldberger on his Talking Watches, yeah. he was saying the Longagine, um, what's that chronograph, right? 12, that one, yeah, he was saying that's one of the greatest chronographs ever yeah. made. And that was Longagine. And you, know, you yeah. could get a Longagine from that era for, you know, four or five hundred quid. Whereas any Rolex from any, <laughs> any Rolex from any era you can't get for cheap. Like, like. No. Even no, those old trench watches, you, not you're still looking at serious money. So, yeah, yeah, exactly. I genuinely don't know, outside of that, what I would recommend to someone anymore, because the options that, as we've said, that we previously would recommend, I just know they're, they're not. Available yeah. So, yeah, yeah, I agree. The, the pool is so small, but I think if we're going to, if we're going to adapt and we're going to be proactive, then I think what I would say. Uh, it, 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 by, by all means chime in with, with your recommendations I think um, the first interesting one is this came out during an interview with your mate Ariel Bax or, or, or you know what I mean he was saying how um, Movado between I think it was like the 50s yeah. and 80s or maybe a less 50s and 70s they shared the same uh, supplier of parts as Patek Fleet did. So the movements aren't as good, but the cases, really? dials, hands, everything were made by the same uh, the same supplier as Patek Fleet. And back in the day, Movado was actually a really highly considered brand. Um, and That's a, it is, and I, so I watched this, and being the nerd that I am, I immediately went over to Chrono 24 on eBay and checked it out. And you're looking at really nice sector dial, brush steel cases uh from like the 50s and you know we're talking like 300 quid and if and when you when you see it you're immediately like oh you know what that's that's a good looking one and with vintage you can't fake like you know when it's shitty and overpriced because it's chrome and yeah. the hands are all aged terribly when you see something that's good you see the nice 
sort of matte grey of the of the brushed steel, and you think, you know, that's, that's a well-made watch. In Movado, still, Movado's still offering that. Um, and I think the other one uh, is our friend Zenith. I think, yeah, I think yeah, they're definitely. suffering from the same thing as Longagine. You're not to the same extent, but in the same sort of area where their modern brand is not respected particularly well. Um, and as a result, vintage aren't stupid prices. I found a vintage Zenith no. Sporto. <clears throat> so with a full full mechanic, uh, full automatic movement, you know, from the same era as the Alpamira. So, yeah, these are the same guys who are making top-level chronographs for Rolex, top-level chronographs for themselves. You know, this is the same movement supplier um, and a fully gold one with 600 quid. A fully gold Sporto and automatic movement 600 quid. In that, it might be an office decent value. decent value for money in terms of the fact you couldn't even look at a Rolex dial from the seventies for for six hundred quid. Like it, like the dial yeah. is a grand. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But, yeah. What other things are you noticing? Because you're very very on the ball with new brands you've never heard of that are actually great value for money. What's your vintage? What's your vintage spider senses? Spider spider sense spider senses, Tony. Yes, body sensors. Um, I mean, to be honest, I, I don't think I would say that, that I'm struggling to think of any other vintage brands that I think are worth a punt outside of the ones that we've just spoken about. The only one I can think of, and this may come as a bit of a surprise, but you can still pick up some non-pole router vintage Universal yeah. Geneves for well under a well under a yeah, thousand. Yeah, no, that's a good point. Like, <clears throat> I'm looking at some here. Uh, yeah, five twenty, seven hundred. I think that some some time only. I mean, there's a lovely one here I'm looking at, which is actually from uh, from a, a friend of, well, a friend of the young horologist, um, Danny's Vintage Watches out in the states, and he's selling a manual wine champagne dial, just two hander unit UG, in good nick, four eight three. I think they're they're still good value, and obviously it's a big. I mean, it's not a big name anymore. Yeah, but in the in the vintage, what, although yeah. they are still going, yeah. but obviously in the vintage, yeah. Um, I mean, I think they're still they're still worth a shout for definite. Um, but yeah, I, I don't. I think outside of the names that we've spoken about, that's probably where your money's. Yeah, that's probably a good place to put your money if you're looking yeah, for vintage. Yeah, I, I remember that one I sent you the other day. The only problem with that was the the fucking yes. date board had fallen off. That was so annoying. But that was 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 fantastic condition, nice and thin. Had the micro rotor movement, which is just yeah. straight cool. Um, it's just that's what you want, isn't it? You don't want non. So you know what, Felix? There we proposed the problem, and then we answered our own problem, and you know we we we, we provided sound horological advice. We are we 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 are, we, are, we now may as well just rebrand this podcast as sound horological advice because we are we're giving good consumer. Good we are. Consumer I mean, we joke advice. we joke all the time about about you know our our usefulness to watch world and you know the last few podcasts you know people have said how useful we are. I think we're we're trailblazers. Move yeah, aside, Hidinki. We're we're trailblazers. We're trailblazers. Well. We are indeed, mate. Well, I think that was a very good little chat. We, you know, we just we just rambled. People like our good. rambles. Um, be interesting to, yeah, exactly. Mm. They're just easy, aren't they? 
be interesting to hear what people have to say about our I two so. opinions and uh, watch me eat my words as I appreciate G-Shocks in a new light, I think. Mm. But uh, yeah, I think that's Twixes. about it. Go and check us out in all, on all the usual places, the website, the Instagram, all of that sort of stuff. And yeah, stay tuned for hopefully next week, hopefully, a quite exciting guest coming on. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. Well. It's been an absolute you, pleasure as always, I'll speak to you very soon. As per usual, mate. Definitely. Have a good one. Definitely. Good stuff. Goodbye.